stands for All Church Teaching Series, and we're going to look at what I'm describing as a church that serves the needy. We had read to us from Acts chapter 6 by Phil, where the church first encounters a difficulty. Everything had been going wonderfully well. Thousands of people have been coming to Jesus, but suddenly they hit this practical difficulty. Here was a church that had uh, thousands of members. So it's not surprising that cultural differences occurred, and especially between the Greek-speaking believers and the Hebrew-speaking believers. I don't know if it was a language problem or a communication problem, but they had a food program where those who were poor and needy were ministered to with food. And it seemed as if those who were Hebrew speaking were getting preferential treatment when it came to the distribution of food. And so this caused uh, friction and disunity among them. Um, we've seen a similar situation in this pandemic, haven't we, when it comes to feeding our children. There's been concern and uh, issues raised around that. And when disagreements arise in a church, our unity is threatened. The devil knows that a divided church is a defeated church. That's why Paul says, keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And when he says keep it, that tells me it can be lost. And so we have to constantly work at maintaining the unity of our fellowship as a company of God's people. Paul said in Romans 12, he said, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I love that statement. So this problem that occurred in the early church, which we read of in Acts chapter 6, the apostles quickly dealt with, and they appointed seven men, and the Bible says, who were well-respected, full of the Spirit and wisdom. And here we've got actually the first deacons, that were ever appointed in the church. And this is where we get the role of deacon from this occurrence that happened in Acts chapter six. Now, what I wanna just tell you is the Bible makes it very clear that God understands our needs and is compassionate towards the whole of his creation. A Couple of verses just to look at. First of all, in Psalm 22 and verse 24, it says this, he, God, is, God is not ignorant to those who are suffering and in need. He has not turned his back on them, but he has listened to their cries for help. And then also in Isaiah 61, you'll be familiar with this, where it says, prophetically of Jesus, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God is very concerned about people who are in need. And we had read to us from Amanda from Deuteronomy how that in the law, 
there was declarations and provisions made to take care of the poor. And actually, you've got a statement there, the poor you will always have with you. Jesus actually quoted that. God is a God who seeks us out. We need to remember that God is a God who seeks us out. You'll all be familiar with C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He was an eminent Oxford scholar and teacher, as well as a Cambridge professor of medieval and Renaissance literature. But for many years, C.S. Lewis was an atheist. He did not believe in the existence of God. But there was a time came in his life when he moved from being an atheist to a theist. He came to believe that God actually existed, that he loved him and was there for him. And in his autobiography called Surprised by Joy, C.S. Lewis wrote this concerning the change he had from atheism to theism. This is what he said. This was not a case of me seeking God because that is as ludicrous as a mouse seeking a cat. It was God who sought and found me. I love that statement because that's the heart and nature of God. He seeks and finds us. All religions of the world have one common factor. They're based on the premise of man seeking God. It's salvation by works. Christianity is different. Christianity is completely different. It is all about man coming and seeking God. God stepping or God coming and seeking man. God stepping into our world in the person of Jesus to seek, to find us and to save us. That's why Christianity stands alone from every other religion in the world, because Christianity is about God stepping into our mess to find us and to save us. You see this right in the early pages of the Bible with Vic, with his uh, interesting quiz early on this morning, where Adam and Eve had sinned. But what happened? God came and sought them out. He came into the garden. He said, Adam, where are you? You then see it with Noah in the early pages of the Bible, where mankind was committing all sorts of sinful behaviors and God was about to wipe the world of all mankind, but he came and he sought out Noah. And he asked Noah to do that special job of building the ark, etc., etc. And then we find that God comes and seeks out Abraham. And he says to Abraham, he says, through your seed, the whole earth will be blessed. It tells us in the New Testament, Jesus came to seek and to save those or that which was lost. And if you know that story about this terrible tax collector who robbed everybody named Zacchaeus, he was a little short man. And one day Jesus was coming to his town and Zacchaeus couldn't see over the crowd. So he climbs to the top of this tree and he has a bird's eye view. But as Jesus arrives at the tree, Jesus knew he was there. He stopped and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today because salvation is come to your house. Jesus sought him out. You find it's the same with the woman at the well. Jesus sat down, asked her for a drink, and then seeks her out concerning her life and offers her the water 
of life. It's the same with the story of the lost sheep. Jesus tells about the shepherd who lost the sheep. He had 100. He puts 99 in the pen, finds he's got one missing, goes and searches until he finds it. You've got this whole, the whole story of the Bible is God seeking us out in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's listen to Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. Jenny's going to read it in her best South African accent. Amen. Let's uh, hear. Unmute yourself, Jenny, and let's listen. And I'm going to use this passage to teach us how Jesus dealt with the needy and how we need to apply it to ourselves so that we are a church that serves the needy. Thank you, Jenny. I'm reading from the New King James Version. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. But when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those you had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Brilliant, thank you. Uh, I'm just going to keep a promise that I made last week. Ben, what's our verse for this year? You're on mute. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, it's the Timothy one, isn't it? Um, uh, not giving us a spirit of fear. Yeah, yeah, you know that one. Don't <laughs> <laughs> think of it. <laughs> you're, you're very good. I said every week when I ask somebody, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, self love, power, and self-discipline, so we will not be ashamed to tell others about the Lord Jesus. Okay, try and commit it to memory, because I should drop on someone else next week. Just to, We want to carry this verse with us throughout the year, because it is so important to us seeking to be missional, and to have the confidence of sharing the gospel as God gives us opportunities. Okay, so Jenny's just read to us a very familiar passage, I'm sure, about that miracle of Jesus <coughs> feeding the 5,000. Jesus had just heard the news <coughs> that John the Baptist had been beheaded. Naturally, there is a sadness and a sorrow in his heart because John the Baptist was his cousin. And uh, it was awful. John had been the forerunner to Jesus in starting his public ministry. And now, because of the foolishness of a king, he had become beheaded. But in this account of this amazing miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 men, and remember what we were talking about last week, that God is the God of miracles. With him, nothing is impossible. 
And so here was 5,000 men, let alone women and children. So it could have possibly been up to 10,000 people that were fed that day. But we want to pick up some principles here from what Jesus did, how he responded to the need, so that we can continue to be a church that serves the needy. Okay, the first thing that we notice here is that Jesus compassionately cared. In verse 14, it says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. The word compassion literally means to have pity. The Greek for compassion is spanchanon, and it literally is to do with your intestines. How are your spanchanons today? Okay, that's what the Greek word is. It's all about your intestines. Paul used it in Colossians 3 verse 12 in the good old King James Version. He says, put on therefore bowels of mercy. That's the word in the Greek, that word compassion, bowels of mercy, intestines of mercy, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's easy to be hard of heart. It's easy to have a tough exterior so that the needs of the poor and the marginalized do not get through to you. But notice how Jesus was touched by the needs of others. He inwardly felt their pain. That's what it means, the intestines. You know when you've got an upset tummy. You know when you're not feeling very good inside. You feel it. You know all about it. And this word compassion is to feel inwardly the concerns, the pain, the hurt, the rejection of others. The word compassion is from two words, com meaning with and passion, feeling, com, passion. That, that's how we understand it in our natural uh, understanding. A couple of verses of scripture, I want us to just look at Proverbs 21 and verse 13. This is what it says. I'll read it to you. Proverbs 21 verse 13 says this um sorry i'm just following my eyes those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need that's a powerful statement those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need and just go over a couple of pages to proverbs 28 and verse 27 whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed they are strong words and we need to be a people who have that kind of compassion where we feel pity we feel inwardly when we see somebody in genuine need now we live in a very materialistic country where the haves can easily become disconnected with the have-nots if you grew up in a comfortable home where you had whatever you wanted, it can therefore be easy to be unfeeling towards those whose upbringing was in a poor environment. I'm sure most of you have heard of Marcus Rashford, the Manchester United 
footballer. He earns 10.4 million pounds a year just for kicking around a bag of wind. I mean, it's, it's not right, is it? It is not right. But Marcus grew up in Withenshaw in Manchester with his mum, who was a single parent, and he had four other siblings. His mum worked full time, but she did not earn enough money to feed and care for her family. And Marcus said this, I know what it feels like to be hungry. Here's a man who has genuine compassion and that has moved him and motivated him to do what he has done throughout this last year and even now, seeking to make sure that children across our country are fed properly, those especially from poor and needy families. He's to be um, honoured and he has been honoured for the way in which he has been moved. But the only reason he was moved because of the kind of upbringing he had where he can enter into children's pain of feeling hungry. Janice had an upbringing where there wasn't much. She was uh, in a home where her parents had divorced and from a young age, it was just her mum and her brother and sister. But I know that Janice now understands the pain and hurt that others go through, and I admire her for the generosity and way in which she supports many charitable, Christian charitable organizations that seek to minister to those who are poor in other countries. She's been a great example to me because I was brought up in a family where I didn't want for anything. You see, true compassion is when you can feel another person's pain. When God sent Jonah to preach to Nineveh, a city that was very sinful in its behavior, and God sent Jonah to tell them that they needed to repent, otherwise judgment was going to fall upon them, Jonah didn't have an ounce of compassion for this city. It was filled with all manner of sinfulness. It was in a right mess, but Jonah had not an ounce of, in, of compassion, and so he ends up running away, and he finds himself in the ocean inside a whale. However, when God vomits him out, or the whale vomits him out because Jonah repented and had a change of heart, he comes out and he goes to Nineveh and he <coughs> preaches the gospel, but he's still a bitter and twisted man. Even though the whole city repent and turn to God, one of the greatest revivals in the whole of history, Jonah is still bitter and twisted. And this is what he says in his book, Jonah 4 verse 2. He complained to the Lord. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord, that you would not bring judgment? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He was a man who knew the nature and character of God, but he was still twisted up and bitter himself and didn't understand what it meant to be compassionate to those who were in need. You see, Jesus behaved towards each and every one of us with compassion. Jesus felt pity for you and for me. Jesus was moved inwardly to go to the cross and to die for each and every one of us because he saw that we could not save ourselves. There was nothing we could ever do to bring us into a right relationship with God. Jesus took compassion upon us. And as a church, 
we need to have that same heart of compassion towards those who are in need. We need to feel their pain and in feeling their pain, make a right and appropriate response whenever we can. So the first thing that we notice out of Jesus when it comes to meeting those who are in need is his compassion. The second thing is that Jesus recognized and responded to the need. In verse 19, it says Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he blessed them. Now, these disciples wanted to send these people, possibly up to 10,000 people, wanted to send them back to well, whatever the local supermarkets happened to be in those days. They said, let's send them home so they can buy food. They've been here with us all day long. We need to send them home. Basically, they didn't want these folks fainting on them, probably, for lack of food and nourishment. But Jesus says, let us meet their need. Jesus recognized the need and said, we're going to respond to this need. Paul said on one occasion, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, whether I've got plenty or little. And he says, this is how I know how to live like that. The God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul had this assurance that God would meet our needs. We live in a broken world where people don't have that assurance. They're hopeless, they're helpless, they're hurting, they're broken because they're not sure who they can turn to to have their needs met. Jesus displayed the heart and the nature of God as one who meets our needs. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And because God promises to meet our needs, we can confidently go out and seek to meet other people's needs in the name of Jesus, because we have a God who promises to meet all of our needs. On one occasion, Jesus um, had been invited to dinner with a very, uh, to the home of a very wealthy person. And he noticed the type of people that this wealthy host had invited to the dinner. And during the course of the meal, Jesus turned to his host and he said this in Luke 14. When you throw a banquet, don't just invite your friends, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, for it is likely that they will return the favor. <laughs> it is better to invite those who never get an invitation. Invite the poor to your banquet, along with the outcasts, the handicapped, and the blind, those who could never repay you the favor, then you will experience a great blessing in this life, and at the resurrection of the godly, you will receive a full reward. I remember in our church in Southampton, for many, many years, we ran something called a breakfast club. There was a couple in the church who had the idea, and we supported them, and on a Saturday morning, we would put on a free breakfast for people who were needy, for people who were rough sleepers. And it so caught on that other churches started to do the same. And so every Saturday there would be a church somewhere that needy people could go to to get a lovely full cooked breakfast. 
And people used to come and they would be so grateful. I remember talking to one man and he said, do you know, it is such a joy to sit down at a table with a tablecloth, with a knife and fork and to enjoy a hot meal. Things that you and I probably take for granted, but there are many people out there who don't enjoy the things that we enjoy. And this breakfast club was a blessing to thousands of people over many, many years. We have to be those who have our eyes and ears open to recognize and respond to the needs that are around us because that's exactly what Jesus did. And then there's one third thing that you notice out of this lovely miracle. Not only did Jesus have compassion, not only did Jesus recognize and respond to the need, but Jesus gives generously. Because in verse 20, it says they all had as much as they wanted and there were 12 baskets left over with food. I'm sure they didn't just tip that food away. They'd have taken it and given it to someone else. You see, when Jesus does a miracle, it's a generous one. And we need to understand the importance of generosity. God is a generous God and he wants his church to practice the same kind of generosity. Janice at some time later is going to speak on the subject of generosity because it's a very important one. But we need just to notice it here. The scripture says in Ephesians 2, God who is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that he, even though we were dead in our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. It is only by grace that you have been saved. God is rich in mercy and he generously gives his grace and mercy to each and every one of us. Jesus said, with the measure you give, it will be measured back to you. If you're a person who is generous, then generosity will come back to you. If you're a person who's mean and tight, then meanness will come back to you. I read something just this week by Timothy Keller, that uh, biblical uh, theologian in the United States, and this is what he said about the early church. The early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. And the early church was in very much a pagan world. He said the pagan society was stingy with its money, but promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body, but they practically gave everybody their money. You see, we are here to be counterculture. We're here to live a different kind of life, to live the kind of life that Jesus lived. And as a church that serves the needy, we need to have hearts that are filled with compassion, hearts that recognize and respond to the needs around us, and hearts that give generously in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we've been running... A lovely ministry since before Christmas with the hampers. Uh, Silas told us about it just a little while ago and before Christmas you kindly gave towards them. We're asking that we continually give something towards these hampers because they are meeting an important need amongst families in the schools that we are connected with.
So I want to give you an opportunity this morning to give towards these hampers. And you're all familiar with the QR codes, aren't you? If you've been going to restaurants before lockdown, there would be an NHS app that you get on your phone and then you show it on the code and they recognize where you've been and they can track and trace you. We've got our own QR code. I asked Silas to get one for us this week and we're gonna put it on the screen now. So what we want you to do is to get your phones out, focus the camera on the QR code and that will then take you to our um, opportunity to give. And we want you just to give maybe five pounds, maybe 10 pounds, whatever you can give towards these hampers. Let's be generous. Let's give an offering. This is over and above our tithes. It's an opportunity to say, yes, we're going to bless these needy families. We're going to help those who don't have what we have and enjoy. And we're going to give something right now in the name of Jesus that can then be used for the hampers that we will seek to provide in the coming weeks. Is that okay? So let's have a go, see if it works. This is the first time. Yes, it's worked on my phone. Look at that. Okay, brilliant. Thank you, everybody, if you were able to do it. I know it was a challenge. It's a challenge for me and some of us older ones to catch up with modern technology, but, but when you crack it, it's exciting, isn't it? You sort of feel very young and with it. So um, anyway, we've, we've done that. And it's just great. There are those moments when it's good to be challenged to respond. And uh, thank you all very much. But if it hasn't worked, then um, Silas will be a bailiff. He'll come around your house or uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll help you out. So, but, but bless you. And, and as we give generously, God will honor us.